Good morning. Luke chapter 4, a very remarkable chapter of Scripture, uh, one of my favorites. What a blessing it'll be to take it in. Here we go. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, now isn't it interesting, before we get into what the devil said, it, it, you know, Jesus' ministry had to start with a significant trial. Um, you know, Jesus was God, but it seems like almost in his humanness, he's God-man. He's both God and man, and he, he's going through a test. And you know what? He's going to pass the test, and uh, God can trust Jesus, the extension of himself and his son to do what he is set out to do, and that's ultimately to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But we're going to see through this amazing trial of Jesus being hungry and now being tempted by the devil, we're going to see how wise our Lord and Savior was and what he did to overcome the temptation of the enemy. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And you'd think Jesus would want it to become bread. He's very hungry at this time. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And what's interesting is that Jesus, it's recorded, you know, elsewhere, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's not recorded in Luke's version, but it is recorded, I believe, in, in Matthew's version. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus is quoting the Old Testament when he says that. When the devil tempts him to turn the stone into bread, he says, man shall not live on bread alone. That's Deuteronomy 8.3. And what's interesting is when the devil tries to get into Jesus's head, Jesus goes back to what is written. Jesus highly revered, honored, believed in the scriptures, believed in the Old Testament, believed in the power of those words, believed that they were inspired words. In fact, he inspired them. But that's how he overcame the battles of life and the battles of the devil and the battles that we face today, how we can overcome them is to rely on the word of God. Jesus said, it is written, I'm not going to do what you're asking, devil, because man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is our source of truth, our source of strength today. It was for Jesus, and it should be for us too. If you're a Christian, trust in the word of God to give you the guidance you need. Hallelujah. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. The devil's taking him on a tour. And in, in a moment of time, he did this. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Now, what? Uh, I, I don't even know the word for it. Do you know that this is the devil's kingdom here on earth? Did you know that without Jesus, we're really living in the devil's kingdom? And one day, God's going to usher in his kingdom. 
And today what we have is we have a spiritual kingdom, meaning you can live in this world and it's really the devil's kingdom, but you can choose to live for the kingdom of God. You can choose to be governed by the Holy Spirit of God. And even though you're living in a pagan world, still be a light of Jesus in the pagan world that we live in. This is really the devil's kingdom ultimately until God's going to usher in his kingdom in the millennium and in eternity. Uh, But we are to live your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to live for God's spiritual kingdom now in this world that we live in. So the devil's tempting them and saying, "I, I can give you all this, Uh, Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. He's trying to get Jesus to worship the devil. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he's turning to the book of Deuteronomy again, which is a lovely book. But Jesus, again, how does he overcome what the devil is trying to do? He goes back to his source of truth. He says, It is written, and he trusts in the word of God. Listen, you can't be a real Christian if you're not going to trust in the word of God. You, you, will, you will end up falling for false things. You will end up having false beliefs. It is imperative that you take God at his word and trust him, and it'll bless your life, just as it blessed Jesus to overcome this temptation. Hallelujah, it is written. You know, the first man, Adam, and his wife, Eve, they were given words of God, too, to not eat of a tree. And the devil came and tempted them and said, oh, God didn't really mean it. And instead of relying on the word of God, they, 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 they were deceived by the devil and they, they, they fell for the deception and they brought sin into mankind. They did not trust the words of God. He told them what to do first and they, they didn't listen. And may we not be like them. God's given us his word. We have it today. May we honor him and not fall for the deception of the devil. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, see, now the devil's saying, Oh, okay, you're going to go based on the Bible. Well, I know the Bible too. And he's going to try to misrepresent what the Bible means for Jesus now and get Jesus to try to jump off the top of the temple. Because the devil says to him, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. Now that's from Psalm 91:11. And on their hands they will bear you up that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's 91 Psalm 91:11 and 12. So the devil's trying to give Jesus the word to say jump off this temp- temple. And Jesus is not falling for this deception. You know, cuz people can use the word of God deceptively. Uh there are so many ways. I mean, one of the largest ones today is the whole homosexual thing is there's so many people lying about it today and making things up and deceiving people and using God's word to say something that it doesn't say. If you ever hear anybody telling you that somehow homosexuality is permitted today, they're lying to you. Read Romans chapter one. It's crystal clear. It's a sin, but people will try to deceive. They'll twist. And and it's what the Bible says is going to happen in this day. People will twist it and they will turn they will, they will turn to whatever their itching ears want to hear, and they will try to have the Bible say what they want it to say. And you know what? That's why we've got to be a student of the Word. We, we need to seek to know it rightly, interpret it rightly. And the devil's twisting it here, and Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, 
you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You're not supposed to jump off a, a building for God. And, and, and Jesus, again, quotes the word of God. What does he say? Uh, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And, and that is from Deuteronomy as well. And when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. You know, the devil might have thought he won the opportune time. He might have thought, you know what, he won when Jesus went up on that cross and died. And yet that was the actual thing that sealed the defeat of the devil. <laughs> but he's going to come back and, and try to mess with Jesus' life. But ultimately, he's lost. He's a loser. And he is going to lose in the end. And it's already been destined that he lost. And God's going to come back and throw him into the lake of fire and bring in his millennial kingdom. Hallelujah. So we can trust that Jesus is higher and bigger uh, than the evil one, and may we follow him. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. He's already becoming, you know, someone people are are thronging after and wanting to see what he has to say. And he began to teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Now, they're not going to continue to praise him, not all the time. At first, uh, he's having a honeymoon period here, but pretty soon the Jewish people are going to be after him because he's going to be making changes to Judaism to usher in Christianity. Now, this is one of the more powerful stories of Jesus' life. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue. So he would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath, on Saturday, and he would begin to teach, and he, and he stood up to read. In the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So he was going to read from the book of Isaiah, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. And he's turning to Isaiah 61, and in Isaiah 61, this is what it says, and Jesus is reading this. I want you to picture this. He's in a synagogue. He's got a scroll. Everyone's looking at him, and he opens the scroll. He finds this specific place, and he reads what it says from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Which, by the way, that was a big deal. Like today, all Christians have the Spirit of God. But back then, the Spirit was something that came on like a special unction on people at certain times. And Jesus is now saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, anointed, that's the word for uh, Christ is, means to be the anointed one. He's, he's claiming that he's the anointed one. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And that's the good news. The good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to forgive sin. And he did care about the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives. And that's people that are under captivity to sin. And he's going to set them free from the power of sin and the power of the devil. And recovery of sight to the blind. And Jesus did indeed make the blind see and to set free those who are oppressed, oppressed by sin, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Now picture this. In the synagogue, Jesus has this scroll. He, he opens, he says all these marvelous things about himself, which is basically saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been looking for. And he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Oh, the drama of this moment. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. 
I am the Messiah. Jesus early in his ministry is is coming out and disclosing to them what Isaiah said about the Messiah to come, the anointed one. That's me. I'm him. And today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. That was a a a a, a massive statement that Jesus made. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? Like, wasn't, how is he the Messiah, by the way, if he just came from Joseph? And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. And there's going to be people who are going to throw him out of town here in a moment. And they're, you know, this claim that he's making about himself is a monstrous claim, but it's true. And they're going to say, you know, start doubting that he is the one who he says he is, especially right in his hometown. hometown. Isn't that interesting? This, that verse has been very comforting to me. Uh, you know, I planted a church in 2009, essentially in my hometown, and it was extremely challenging. It's it's not easy to, to do something in your hometown. Um, but God has prevailed, and he prevails in Jesus' life, and I'm thankful that he's helped me through many years of ministry in my hometown. But truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And he he's he's just commenting on some Old Testament stories. And, you know, sometimes they're not going to always see the miracle is what he's getting at. And he Jesus is going to do many miracles, but he doesn't necessarily like it when they call him to perform one right in front of them. And he's saying, you're going to have to trust in me, not only for the miracles I'm going to do that I'll do over the next three years, but you're going to have to learn to trust even without miracles. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city. Look at right away, Jesus is getting rejected. And if you're a follower of Christ and you're proclaiming the name of Jesus, there's going to be people who will reject you. But you have to take comfort in knowing that Jesus was rejected too. In fact, they rejected him all the way to the cross. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down from the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went on his way. It wasn't his time to die. And the Jewish people are going to try to kill him many times. uh, Or he's going to come close to being arrested. and yet. God knows when he's going to die, and Jesus makes it to his third Passover, where he's the Passover lamb and he dies for us. Verse 31, And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were amazed at his teaching. So he goes to another town, for his message was with authority. And it it was he had a special unction. I mean, people could see there was something special about him, even 
Even those who rejected him, I think, could see that there was something powerful in him. In a synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone! What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Look at the the demons are like able to recognize the power of God. I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Look at that. Even the demons believe and tremble. That's a testimony. The demons could see who he was. They, 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 they could see the spiritual realm, so to speak, and understand that Jesus was who he was. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, "Be quiet and come out of him." And when the demon had been thrown, had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. So Jesus cast out a demon, and amazement came upon them all. And they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Jesus was a miracle worker. He was a miracle worker. And the the report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. I mean, people are really coming to see that there's something incredible about this guy some love him, some reject him, but they couldn't deny that there was power in him. Hallelujah. Then he got up and left the synagogue and entered Simon's home. Now, this was Simon Peter. And Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she immediately got up and waited on them. <laughs> wow, what an amazing thing. I mean, he just... That fever was gone, and she got up to serve. And you know what? That's how it is with Jesus. Like, you know what? I was—I didn't believe in Jesus. I was living my own life, living the American dream, living a pagan, you know, atheistic, essentially sinful life. But when God got a hold of me, I served Him. When God got a hold of me and saved me, and I became to know God. I wanted to serve him with my life. And you know, not everyone's going to be a full-time minister, but we are all ministers of the Lord. God wants you to serve him. When you see what Jesus Christ has done for you to forgive you and empower you with his Holy Spirit, and when you see the beauty of his word and how it guides your life, you'll want to serve him. That'll just be the natural reaction of a believer in Jesus Christ is I want to serve him in his kingdom. Hallelujah. While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He's becoming known for healing. And laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Hallelujah. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. He he actually tries to kind of keep some of his ministry like he he doesn't want things to happen too fast and you know he's going to die in 3 years but he wants his ministry to last that long and sometimes he tries to hold back his fame so that they I believe so that they don't take his life too soon but one day came Jesus left and went to a secluded place And the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. Jesus sometimes needed to go and get discernment from God. And what I want you to realize, and we can see this from uh, Mark's version of this same section, is that 
it shows that there were other people who wanted to be healed. And it was like they're lining up to get healed. And Jesus went out to a secluded place and prayed, and he got discernment. And he said to them in verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Very much appears he left some people behind who were not healed. You know, ultimately, Jesus did not come to heal us physically because ultimately we all die. But what he did come to do is to heal us spiritually and to heal us from the inside out and to also heal us from death so that we may live forever in his eternal kingdom because of our faith in him. And that's why he came. He came to preach the good news of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all those who believe. And praise God that he did such an effective job that his gospel and his ministry is continuing still 2,000 years later, still saving people, still helping people know the truth and to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Jesus is the Messiah. Hallelujah. God bless you all.